0: The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality.
1: We've got a great show tonight. We've got... A friend of ours, Josh Warren, who's been an investigator for, geez, well, I think he wrote his first book when he was like 13 years old, Jim.
0: Yeah, he got a really early start, um, and uh, I'm anxious to hear about how a 13-year-old goes about writing a book, Um, and I believe that book was ultimately published. I don't know if it was published at that point, but he did start early. He's got his hands in a whole bunch of different things related to the paranormal, everything from ghost hunting to uh, the Brown Mountain Lights to uh, the Mew... Bermuda Triangle, and and a lot more. I mean, he really, really uh, covers the gamut.
1: He's been involved in the field as long as I can remember, and uh, I've listened to him a ton of times also on Coast to Coast and uh, many other radio uh, shows out there. So Josh is just a great guy. He's a good friend, and I'm looking forward to talking to him tonight.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I'm particularly interested in talking about the Bermuda Triangle. We haven't done a lot on this show about the Bermuda Triangle, and it's something, you know, as we always talk about those in search of episodes that uh, Leonard Nimoy used to uh, narrate back in the 70s, and they they played, you know, in syndication for years and years and years. Um, One of my favorite episodes was the Bermuda Triangle episode of that, and I was always, you know, curious and fascinated by uh, the stories revolving around the Bermuda Triangle. We just haven't had much of a chance to talk about it on the show. We're going be joined by our guest Joshua P. Warren in a little bit. Joshua is an author, he's a paranormal researcher, he's president of uh, a company called Shadowbox Enterprises. He's written, he's investigated, he's explored. We're going to have a great conversation with him. Uh, we've got so much coming up on Beyond Reality Radio J, and uh, we want people to stop by the Facebook page, website, all yeah. that.
1: If you haven't yet, head over to slash beyond reality radio. Make sure you like the Facebook page. We're constantly uh posting information there, and uh, and also in the near future, we'll be posting what's going to be happening with Ghost Hunters. So, But, uh, yeah, you're listening to Jason and J.V.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, gang, it's J.V. here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Beyond Reality Radio. Some of you are new to the program, and some of you have been with us for years. And no matter if you're interested in ghosts, the UFO phenomenon, conspiracy discussions, or any of the other topics we explore on this program, we do it for you. Our goal here is to help find answers to some of the world's most enduring mysteries. And as we continue to bring you interviews and discussions each night, it's important that we get your feedback and even more importantly, your support. The media landscape is forever changing, and as it does, we need to be able to change with it. That's why it's important for you. Right now to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe once on YouTube. Just search for JV Johnson. You'll find it there. Subscribe. It's all free and it'll make you part of our global community. In addition, beyond reality radio is available as a podcast. Go to your favorite podcast platform and search for beyond reality radio and subscribe there as well. And finally, we have an archive program that you may enjoy as well. This show can be found on major podcast platforms and it's called beyond reality paranormal. By supporting us in one or all of those places, you can be sure we'll be able to continue to deliver quality shows to you no matter what form the media landscape takes. As a paranormal historian, I promise you the best and most entertaining conversations as we continue to hunt for the truth. Now, welcome back to Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us, whether you're listening to us on a local radio station or online, or if you happen to be listening as a download uh, later, uh, join us live. That's where all the uh, the action's going on. You can call in, and you can join the chat room, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and if you get a chance, make sure you check out that Thumbbrella by Crabco. <laughs> it sounds like an awesome you know, product.
0: The people at Crabco just keep coming up with the best ideas i mean it's like a genius factory over there they just keep pumping these great ideas out
1: well they also sent us another one that we'll play a little later though
0: yeah yeah um, i know that they they've got a couple new products that they've pet uh, sweeper and stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah a whole bunch of good stuff coming up <laughs> um speaking of good stuff our guest tonight is joshua warren joshua is an author paranormal researcher and much much more filmmaker uh joshua welcome to beyond reality radio again great to have you back on the show
2: You know, Jason and JV, I absolutely love this show, and it is just an honor to be back with you again tonight. So, thank you.
1: Wow, that was pretty epic, man! Thanks, Josh. (laughs) It's it's always always good to have you on, and uh, you know, I've known you I've known you for years, and it's uh, it's always nice to talk with you. And I I truly, I've always thought that you're one of the top investigators out there, even you know, prior to me doing the show, Ghost Hunters, everything else. So, it's always good to talk with you.
2: Well, I appreciate that because, as you know, um, there are a lot of people in this quote-unquote field today uh, who have a lot of um, unusual angles and opinions, and um, I think ultimately over time you sort of see what a person's real agenda is and sort of how rational, for lack of a better word, uh, a person's conclusions may be. And uh, I always tell folks that, you know, look, I keep an open mind. Because my favorite quote by Albert Einstein is, if we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't call it research. So, you know, the very idea here is to explore things that may sound a little crazy, a little wacky. Uh, but as the years go by and and I'm able to keep my eye on, on guys like you, I mean, um, it, it makes me feel good that – there are sound people who are actually going to make some real progress, uh, and, and it's happening year by year, little by little, it's happening, and I think amazing things will, uh, will finally be revealed in our lifetimes.
0: So, um, Joshua, you know, we have talked with you before. In fact, I think we spent a great deal of time talking about your work with the Brown Mountain Lights. So we're just going to poke around um, and talk about a bunch of different topics tonight, if you're okay with that. And the first thing I want to address is I happen to notice, and I'm reading more about you, that uh, you, you, you're, you wrote your first book at age 13. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. I was born and raised in Asheville, North Carolina, the heart of the oldest mountains in North America. Uh, in fact, my family on both sides is from that area, going all the way back to the late 1700s. So um, I, I grew up hearing all these old, you know, mountain tales and myths and legends, and uh, so there were all kinds of weird things that happened to my family even before i was born and and uh so i was curious about discerning fact from fiction and i started writing at a very early age when i was 13 i wrote my first published book which was a book of fictional scary short stories and poems and uh that got me a job eventually working for the biggest newspaper in the area the asheville citizen times when i was just uh, 15 uh, i couldn't even drive so you know my mom and dad would drive me around and i was going to all these creepy houses and places where um weird things occur and trying to to get to the bottom of it and uh, I, I just kept writing books and, uh, and now i think i'm i'm somewhere over 20 books at this point and it's been an epic journey that that started with fiction but now it's mainly Nonfiction, and uh, I've now written about you know ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, psychic phenomena, uh, magic. uh, I mean, you name it. uh, Because if you stick with this field long enough, eventually, I believe you will see that all of this stuff does actually connect. Because we are, after all, living in a universe, and so uh, it's interesting to see how these things that seem kind of disjointed uh, will actually sort of all become part of the same uh, phantasmagoria, if you will.
1: Well, and you and I have talked numerous times in the past. Uh, you being from Asheville, my wife having family uh, from the Asheville area, I've spent a lot of time out that way uh, with the Cherokee Nation, which is is only a short ride from where you are on the uh, on the reservations out there. And uh, it it seems like it's it's a very spiritual, very high energy place, and that that goes right down to the brown mo- mountain lights that are seen on the mountain and uh, a lot of other things. Let alone. The whole the whole thing that went on with Cherokee Indians out that way. So this, the area seems to have some sort of a, a supernatural type presence or just energy that seems like it's always there.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I'm joining you fellas tonight from the Bermuda Triangle Research Base, which is right here in uh, in Puerto Rico, uh, out in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. And and we'll talk more about that tonight because I consider this whole area to be kind of a, a warp, if you will. It's a special place on planet Earth where sort of uh, the laws of physics don't always appear to work the way they're supposed to. And I think the first time I really found a place that helped me understand that was when I began investigating Brown Mountain, because Brown Mountain in western North Carolina is kind of like a miniature Bermuda Triangle. Um, and what I mean by that is it's a, it's a spot where people go and don't just experience one type of paranormal phenomenon. They experience all of them. Uh, but, of course, the most uh, spectacular is the phenomenon of the lights, which is why the Brown Mountain lights are one of the most amazing uh, activities uh, you can in- investigate if you're a, in a paranormal. I mean, uh, the Brown Mountain lights are these multicolored balls of illumination that have been seen floating on and around this low lying ridge in the middle of the Pisgah National Forest for. Certainly over 100 years, just according to journalistic reports, uh, perhaps hundreds of years if you dig into Native American stories and legends and uh, and pioneer folklore. But my team and I spent a good um, 15, 16 years getting permits from the Forest Service and going up there and camping out and bringing scientists with us. I mean, we brought a, a, a bona fide rocket scientist with us from uh, University of Ohio uh, we brought a, uh, a physicist with us from the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Uh, we camped up there with uh, all kinds of forest rangers and historians and and we used a variety of equipment to see what we could find and using these methods, we a we got the best the, the clear, really good visual documentation of the Brown Mountain lights in the year two thousand. Um, and, uh, and and by the way, anybody listening can go and see those. I have a, a book. Uh, it's really more of a booklet that I wrote about the Brown Mountain Lights and download it for free right now on, on my website, joshuapwarren.com. You just scroll down the homepage, and there's a booklet right there. You can click on it, download it, and you can see the images. You can see all about our research there. And and as we were doing this research, we were finding that when the lights would appear, we would get these bizarre sort of um, energy fields like electromagnetic interference and these strong electrostatic charges that were occurring in the environment. And by publishing about this and doing experiments inspired by this in my laboratory in Asheville, we actually made the cover of a science journal in 2004 called electric spacecraft. But the funny thing is, for the past 10 years or more, uh, whenever this subject has been covered by the media, it has been traditional for people to come to me to be the big pro-Brown Mountain Lights guy, and then they go to this astronomer from Appalachian State University named Dr. Dan Caton, and they would say, now you give us the, spectacle, excuse me, the skeptical side of this, and, and he would come on, and, and he would be very dismissive, and he would uh, say, look, we don't have any real uh, you know, bona fide evidence that this even exists, and And we would do these big seminars, and he would he would stand there in front of the uh people who would stand up and talk about their experiences, and he would kind of blow it off and he really was and I know we're all we're on the radio, but i'm I'm very co- confident and comfortable saying the guy was very condescending toward people, and that said, last summer, Dr. Dan Caton finally had his own documentation he teamed up with another scientist there at the university. They went up to Brown Mountain. They stationed two cameras there overlooking the ridge, and they were capturing footage of all night, and they did that for a number of years. And finally, he came out and he said, all right, we've got footage of a light that we can't explain. He says, we've got plenty of footage of airplanes and stars and reflections from traffic, and we know what all that is. But he said... We don't know what this is. And he um, actually said, I admit, I've been very dismissive of this, but uh, now I've changed my tune and now we're going to really dig into it. So this is a good example of why it's important for people like ourselves who are paranormal investigators to go out there and to keep on pushing for good, solid research to be done Documenting whatever we can on our own and, and uh, hoping that eventually, uh, when the real scientists arrive on the scene, um, <laughs> that they will finally be able to document what we've been documenting all this time and collectively we can work together to push the boundary forward.
1: Well, and but doesn't isn't that something that's always driven you crazy? Because it's bothered me. Uh, you know, a skeptic is just somebody who's never had an experience prior. And uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, these scientists, a lot of them, want to dismiss this stuff and just shoot it down until they're able to have their own experience.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that this is the eternal curse of the paranormal investigator: the fact that we are, by definition there to investigate things which are questionable. And so we ourselves are always going to be sort of uh, viewed uh, questionably. But the paranormal will at some point become normal. And at that point, we are sort of understandably brushed aside as the more mainstream folks come in and uh, you just have to accept that that's how it works. And if you're going to be a paranormal investigator, you're always going to be, no matter what happens, a little outside what people uh, really will accept at any moment in history.
1: Yeah, the thing is, uh, the one thing that has always driven me crazy, and, and we we touched on this, was the fact that a lot of these uh, these scientists and so forth that were skeptics, no matter what. It's it's fake or it can be debunked or, or whatever else until they have an experience. And so and I think that's one of the hardest things is they're never willing to work with you or meet you in the middle. They're always willing to shoot down any evidence you come up with until they're able to have their own experience. And so, do you see that as well?
2: Oh, sure. And you know, these guys who have uh, and and ladies who have this credibility, so to speak, who and have they hide behind
1: the whole many, idea many that they're scientists.
2: Well, yeah, and they they are afraid of losing what they've worked for their entire lives. I mean, I know plenty of them uh, personally who just have the most wonderful, fascinating conversations with me privately. But publicly, there is no way they would ever come out and express even an interest in some of these topics that – we we are so often digging into, um, and so uh, you when you get into this area called paranormal research or, or metaphysical investigation, uh, ultimately you make a decision in your life that you really don't care about possibly being ridiculed, uh, and and if and if you look back throughout the history of discovery and invention and achievement and exploration. Um, You'll see that the greatest progress was made by people who often had that attitude. Um, You know, some of the technology that I deal with is is very exotic and weird and controversial, um, like radionics, which I think we're going to get into here in a little bit tonight. But um, I always tell people, look, gravity was around before Isaac Newton was born. Um, I mean, it's, it's, he may have been the first person who came along and, and helped us understand some kind of a cause and effect model for how that may work uh but it's always been there and and there are other things all around us right now which are just as active and and interwoven with our day-to-day experience that uh that we just don't understand we don't quite grasp yet so it's it's really silly for us to dismiss things out of hand especially when you have the most brilliant cosmologists and astrophysicists uh out there telling us that hey We've got these great budgets, we have these huge telescopes, we have all this fantastic information technology, and we're looking as far and as wide as we can all into the infinite blackness out there. And what we can tell you is that over 95% of what we see is either dark matter or dark energy, which is defined by the very fact that we don't have any clue what it is. Uh, and so if you're going to tell me that you don't know what 95% of something is, you may as well just say, look, we have no idea what this thing that we're living in really is. So why should we be so arrogant just to think that, uh, that we can make any judgments about it?
0: I'm going to change the subject to something we might know a little bit about here, too. Um, you wrote a book uh, called How to Hunt Ghosts. And I'm curious as to what approach you took. When you instruct people on how to paranormal investigate in in search for ghosts or spirits or whatever, what type of uh, technique do you offer and do you instruct people to use?
2: Well, it begins with simply understanding the basics of the scientific method. And uh, it's important to realize that the scientific method is not capable of helping you understand everything out there necessarily. I mean, scientifically speaking, I cannot prove to you what I dreamed last night. Uh, It was something that was very vivid to me, and I can tell you all about it, and it was an experience that I had that I'm not capable of proving to you what, what it was. Uh, I can't prove to you scientifically that I love someone, or uh, that I dislike something, or I can't prove what I experience when I taste chocolate. And, and there are all these things that are, are subjective, but are still real. I mean, uh, if you look at history itself, I mean, majority of what we call history is was documented according to word of mouth. I mean, we don't really have direct evidence that things evolved the way they supposedly did in, in many cases. But that said, Still, you know, understanding the scientific method, it's not very complicated. Uh, you know, it starts with observation and uh, then looking for patterns and correlations and then testing out possible cause and effect in the laboratory in a more controlled way, if you can figure out how to do that. Uh, and then maybe if you're lucky, you get to develop a hypothesis and you test that out. And if the hi- if the hypotheses keep working out, then maybe you'll have a theory. Um, but... Beyond that, the thing that really drives me nuts is when I see all these people who go out to do paranormal investigations, and they don't start by getting baselines as a a control uh, to look at what is normal in the background because you cannot – determine what's paranormal unless you know what's normal. And so time after time, I see people who are very enthusiastic and they're they're very well-meaning, and they go into a place and they immediately start looking for for weird stuff uh, without first getting to know that environment in its most, you know, regular and normal state. And so uh, once you go over the approach well, then from there, we get into these steps, which include, of course, depending on your goal, um, learning the, the background of the place. Sometimes you don't want to know that information because you want to go in blindly and you don't want to be tainted.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: yeah. And then in other cases, you know, you want to go in and you're like, okay, I've only got an hour here. I want, I want to see something, right? And so you're, you haul in things that might enhance the activity uh, and and I, we're probably coming up on a break here soon before we get too far into that. But I love these things that you can use to actually enhance activity, not fake it, not create it, but enhance it. Um, but real research takes a long, long time. And, uh, and as you know, especially, Jason, I mean, people watch these TV shows. And they get frustrated because they don't realize that we don't have the time often when we go to do a TV show to to spend at a location that is necessary to get evidence that's going to live up to scientific scrutiny.
1: Well, and I think uh, the big uh, big important part you were making out there you said initially was going in and looking for getting initial readings. I think that's the mo- that's one of the most important when you walk in you want you want to get baselines of EMFs throughout the uh, the entire location what what's normal what's not uh, also mark down those areas so you can check them out later do it with the power on do it with the power off and uh, and a bunch of things like that uh, Do you think that paranormal television has helped? the field or hurt the field when it comes down to it? Because there are a lot of these shows, like I said, they go in, they'll spend two, two and a half hours there, get it just as just enough to make an episode and then head out.
2: Well, you know, that's a great question, Jason, because it seems to me that if just one brilliant person is inspired to do this kind of research by watching one of these television shows, then they're all worth it. Um, But, of course, what you end up with uh, are also uh, so many shows out there that may be more entertainment-oriented than research-oriented. And ultimately what happens is it provides a lot of confusion and a lot of fodder for ridicule. That makes uh, uh, so many people not take the whole field seriously. But you know, I, I think that you're you're always going to end up with that happening. I mean, as soon as a show like yours uh, becomes so popular, uh, then uh, you know everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon, and uh, what you end up with are, are people who just see it as a, a pure opportunity for entertainment. Uh, and and research itself is pretty boring. I mean. Uh, you know I I do I live an exciting life I get to travel a lot and I get to have a lot of fun and talk to interesting people and do cool cool stuff but but the research part of what I do is is very boring uh, and that's why when you you talk to scientists or, or, or how let me put it this way when you see some big scientific development that makes its way into the news uh, you you look at it and, and you read that well they just discovered this like three or four years ago and uh this whole time the information has been passed around and peer-reviewed and scrutinized and and we are just now finally hearing about it so it's a a really really slow uh, process especially when you're dealing with things that are so extraordinary and fantastic um but but but, you know you said something else interesting about the approach but i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off Oh no
1: go no you go ahead finish what you're saying
2: you know I, I like what you you were saying about the idea that when you go into a place you have got to look at it under different circumstances. Uh, you want to see what it's like when the people are there because that's a variable you want to see what it's like when there are no people there when you can remove everybody and all you have are are the cameras. Uh, You want to look at it when there is a certain, you know, trigger object there. Uh, I, over the years, have done gosh knows how many experiments bringing in electrostatic generators and and charging and ionizing the air Uh, or bringing in uh, Tesla coils. I mean, there have been some very well-done documentaries out there showing me and my team in my laboratory in Asheville um, trying to create tulpas, um, which if someone's listening and has never heard of a tulpa, what I'm talking about here is is a thought form, uh, or at least that's what we think it is, uh, where a group of people get together and they try to create a ghost or some other type of a paranormal thing. And they can do this over time uh, using concentration, or very quickly, I found out, if you use certain types of broadcasting equipment hooked to a human brain. Uh, So I've done some pretty crazy, you know, uh, mad scientist kind of stuff. Uh, And uh, but, you know, it just depends on what you're trying to achieve in terms of the approach that you take. And I've always admired the fact that you have been so diverse in understanding the nuances of those different approaches.
1: Well, thank you. And when you're referring to Tulpa, you're you're referring to pretty much manifesting the the ability to try to whether it's a, a single individual or multiple individuals sort of manifesting something through spiritual or mental discipline, correct?
2: You're absolutely right, and uh, in fact, I'd like to tell you um, an interesting story about that, if you'll indulge me for the next few minutes. Uh, This is a story that I wouldn't tell on a lot of radio shows, because I think it would just be a little too weird, you know, Um, but I think you and your listeners will appreciate this. So in in my laboratory, we have all types of equipment and i am always hooking them together and experimenting with everything mean, i'm a sucker for some kind of weird gadget if you tell me somebody's got some weird gadget out there no matter how exotic it is i'll buy it and i'll try it out and even if the it the same doesn't way work, fine yeah <laughs> i guess we're super geeks but um but it, that for me that's one of the fun things in life and so 15 years ago I heard about this field called radionics and these things called wishing machines. And this is a topic that I think last time I talked to you, we, we touched on, but we didn't get to dig into. And I thought, boy, oh, this sounds interesting. What is this? And it is this box that has an input and an output, and it's got these knobs on it. It's got this mysterious circuit inside. And supposedly, you can use this thing to wish for money, better relationships. Uh, you know, you name it, all that stuff. And I thought, boy, this sounds like the scam of the century. I got to have me one of them, right? So I bought one of these boxes from this guy in California for $300. And I got the thing, and, and I thought I was going to be clever here. And the first thing I was going to wish for was my $300 back. So I put the wish in for $300. And about three days later, I got a call from a local hotel. I guess I could say Grove Park Inn. You probably know the Grove Park Inn and, and Asheville there, Jason. Yeah. And, um, and they said, okay, we have a group of dentists that have come into town. And they uh, need somebody to talk for an hour and give them a um, just some stories about Asheville. And they're paying $300. And I was like, well, that's interesting that it was the exact amount that I put in there. So I continued experimenting with this over the years and getting hit after hit after hit. Well, now let's go up to several years ago. I'm sitting in my house in western North Carolina in the middle of winter. There's inches of snow on the ground. The power has gone out. I mean, I I was just thinking, you know, I don't want to be here in the winter anymore. So I look over and I see this wishing machine sitting there. I got on the internet, I went to Google, and I swear to you, all I did was I typed in tropical beach, hit enter, looked at all the images, picked an image I liked, saved it, printed it out, put it on the machine, tuned the machine. Within, I'd say about eight, nine days, I get an email from this guy named um, Michael Rivera, and he said, I live in Puerto Rico, and my house is haunted by this like horrible, demonic thing. And he said, "I will pay you, and I'll pay for your trip if you come down here to Puerto Rico and investigate this." And I said, "Well, I'm there, you know." So I flew down to Puerto Rico, uh, where I am right now. While I was here, I ended up meeting a, a a realtor who showed me this beautiful condo right on the beach. And anyway, I was able to work it out so that I could get this this condo. So I flew back to North Carolina. I told my wife, Lauren, I was like, hey, pack up your stuff. We're going to Puerto Rico. And as I'm packing my stuff up, I looked over and I saw the machine. And I thought, man, this thing really works. And I picked up that picture of that tropical beach, and I went over to my computer, and I brought that image up, and I searched the image. And I swear to you, I swear on a stack of Bibles, that image was an image of the Ron Beach, which is the one right next to this condo. Now, that could have been any beach in the entire world, and I had no idea what tropical beach it was, and it gives me the chills when I even think about that. And I tell you this because once I realized that there was something so significant about that mind body environment relationship, I thought maybe we can use this to enhance paranormal activity as well. So after using all these different techniques, and they all have their pros and cons, I teamed up with a guy who makes wishing machines, we call him Dr. Mulder, that's his nickname. And we started this project called the wishing machine project. Uh, It's on my website, joshuapwarren.com. You can go and you can watch videos and you can learn all all about it. And when I started going to these haunted locations, I would contact him and I would say, look, just between you and me, I'm going to send you a map of this place and let's tune uh, for something paranormal to manifest at a certain location. Well, to make a very long story short, since then – We have used this in Transylvania and Romania. We have used this in the Bermuda Triangle to create UFOs. Uh, We have created tulpas. It has been one of the most simple and effective things that we've ever used to manifest these weird phenomena, which shows you this is something more like a quantum or a holographic universe principle that we're dealing with here, and it goes beyond traditional Newtonian physics.
1: Well the funny thing is I would never expect to hear you talking about something like this. So this is like so far out of the norm for for something especially for for you. So that's why it's it's so intriguing to me hearing hearing this, because it, it just doesn't seem like something that you'd be you'd be talking about.
2: Well, that's the thing. You know me. I'm one of these guys who's always been very nuts and bolts, but I realize at a certain point that what we're doing here it's only able to make so much headway Because we can take these great machines and bring them into the field and take all these measurements. But at the end of the day, you have to face the fact that machine was conceived by a human, built by a human, uh, calibrated by a human, used by a human, interpreted by a human. You cannot remove the human experience from what's happening here. And I do believe that the only way we are going to advance our understanding of the paranormal is to start appreciating how that this human interface with the environment plays a key role and how all of this stuff materializes, and why it's so different to quantify and to catch it in a bottle, Um, and and why that we have all of these sort of subjective issues that bring some role to the table here, why some people experience the paranormal all the time and some people never experience it. And I have started using this mindset more when I go to do an investigation, and what I'm finding – is that this old-fashioned notion that you go to a place where something dramatic happened, somebody died, there was a murder, and so the spirits are trapped there, so to speak, that does not work anymore. It does work when it comes to the idea of burning an imprint into the environment or some kind of a residual. But what we're finding more and more is that it seems like when a person actually dies, that his or her consciousness joins this greater grid of information, which is very similar to the internet. Uh, the internet is sort of a, a primitive form of this greater grid of, of information that, that ties everything together. And quantum physics is yeah, about this. And, and so it's almost like when you're communicating with the spirit, are trying to do that. And I can give you some specific examples of my experience if you'd like, but it's not like that these, these spirits are capable all the time of just sort of popping up there like Jacob Marley's ghost and telling you what's going on. No, it's almost like that when these spirits get into this other form, often they will try to communicate with you by influencing the environment uh, in subtle ways, in synchronistic ways, by passing messages along. And if you're aware of that, uh, you start to get the impression that this is a much more complex and nuanced and interesting way of viewing what a human is and what consciousness is and what the afterlife is. And so we have to start incorporating the the mind-body relationship back a little bit more if we're actually going to progress in this field.
1: Hey, JV, just mark down on your note, uh, Jason, birthday gift, wishing machine. <laughs> got it. <All>
0: right. <laughs> Duly noted. Hey, uh, Joshua, I'm gonna, uh, we, we've got a bunch of callers here. I want to try to get to some of them here. Let's bring uh, Jacob from New York in. Jacob, you're on Beyond Reality Radio with Joshua Warren.
3: Hi. I have a lot of questions, but so little time to ask them, and I need as many answers as I can get right about
0: now. We'll see what we can do.
3: One question is, is, have you guys been where any demonic activities have occurred in Schoharie County? Because I remember hearing one time that you guys were coming to my home state, Cobleskill, New York, which is in a part of Schoharie County where there is the Bull's Head Inn, which is haunted, and so is the Old Stone Fort on the outskirts near a creek, which is also haunted, which was part of the civil war and okay. my me and my fiance live nearby a graveyard and a few days before i made this one facebook page on my facebook me and my nephew we started feeling demonic presences and we didn't think nothing of it and it was coming from the area of the graveyard and few days after that, I went outside by myself, and now mind you, I am pagan, and I strongly believe in demonology, ghosts, entities, everything like that, and yes, people may think I'm insane, but the truth in all reality is that demonics, entities, and ghosts do exist, but what I'm trying to get at is that Ever since I've been posting on this page of mine, I've been feeling more stronger demonic entities and demons approaching. And I've took a lot of precautions from movies I've seen to books I've read and things I found on the Internet. I just want to know if there has been any known activities of demonic entities or demons in the town nearby Cobasville or within the Schoharie County area?
1: Well, I can tell you, and I'll let uh, Josh answer in a a second, but I've been up in that area. I've been called throughout pretty much the whole USA for uh, numerous religious organizations, and I have been up in that area. I've investigated claims of uh, demonic activity. I investigated a so-called possession, which really didn't turn out to be a possession, about two years ago up in that area as well. So uh, what about you, Josh?
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, Jacob, thank you for the call, and uh, I assume that that question was mainly directed to you, Jason, because uh, I have not been in that particular area doing any extensive research. But, you know, the first issue to address here is, well, what is a demon? Because uh, this is a term that is used quite loosely, and uh, and obviously it has a lot of religious baggage. And so I have always thought that um, if we want to try to look at this from a more objective perspective, we humans, uh, we gain energy primarily by putting things in our mouths and chewing them up and swallowing them. And it's really kind of a a, a, really a crude way of, uh, of gaining energy, but it's possible that there are other forms of life out there which don't have to do that. They are able to sort of latch onto something and absorb energy directly in order to feed themselves in a very parasitic way. And I think that uh, maybe a demon is one of these spiritual entities that is able to latch onto a person for one reason or another and absorb that person's energy and gradually wear that person down physically and mentally, uh, until that person, well, that person becomes, you know, uh, very stressed and, and usually sick and then, uh, agitated. And then, you know, eventually if, if something isn't done, then that maybe that person can die. Uh, so it's a parasitic thing that we're looking at here. Uh, I have dealt with cases, uh, where people have told me, look, something has latched onto me. It's sucking me dry, and then a short time later, that person is dead. Um, and uh, these are, you know, these are real-world examples that I can give of real people who have really died, and and some of them are fairly recent. So that's what I think of when I think of of the demonic. Now, um, I also I also think that uh, if you want to protect yourself from that kind of thing. Um, the, you, the first thing you have to do is just to keep yourself physically healthy i mean uh, no different than if you 're trying to avoid a cold i mean if you if you try to do what the what the docs tell you you know eat healthy exercise, and don 't fill your mind with stuff that brings you down um, because uh, Your mind and body are so interconnected.
0: You know, one of his uh, questions was related to the geography and asking if there had been reported demonic um, episodes or or possessions or any type of reports uh, in the Cobleskill, New York area, which happens to be pretty close to where I am here in Cooperstown. But um, I don't think there's any real geographic patterns to that type of activity. I think it's it's not really related to geography. I don't know if either of you guys have experienced anything different than that.
1: Well, and I agree with you. See, the thing is, I I believe that there are demonic-type entities, but there's a big difference. I I try to label things more as human-type hauntings and inhuman-type hauntings, inhuman just being things that have never walked the earth in human form. So an angelic is considered uh, an inhuman-type haunting, and elemental is considered an inhuman-type haunting. So there's a lot of differences when it comes down to that. But, I mean, anywhere where you're getting also people involved in the occult and and doing their thing, you might get more negative-type experiences. Jim, that was that area, if you remember, years and years ago, we were called up there— that area in specific was where a lot of people had were were missing pets they That's were right. yeah. they were leaving and, and come to find out that there is there's an occult up there that were catching people's cats and and using them in, in sacrificial means so yeah you you're, you're going to get that but uh But like I I was saying to Jacob before we had to rush off, uh, there's some people in the chat room who are investigators in that area. So feel free to uh, head to beyondrealityradio.com, click the listen live, that connects you into the chat room, and uh, there's people right there. Or TAPS Family Chris, who runs the TAPS Family Network, is in there as well, and she can set you up with the TAPS Family group in that area.
0: Yeah, and Joshua, you were offering some suggestions for Jacob on how he might be able to better protect himself
2: Yeah, and and by the way, uh, and actually this kind of ties in nicely, I just want to interject up here. I have some really cool news for you guys. Um, Dr. Mulder, the guy who is the engineer for the wishing machines, also loves your program. He's listening tonight, and we are going to send both of you free wishing machines as gifts so you can do your own experiments. Uh, and draw your own conclusions. And so, I look forward to hearing about your experiences. So, that, that, first, first off,
1: n- let me let me first off say thank you. <laughs> yeah. And Secondly, there's a Maxim party in about a month, so can I get here in a, in like a week or two? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so.
2: we'll, we'll supercharge yours. Um, and and, and again, if people don't know what we're talking about, I hope that you know they'll just go check out the information. It's all free on my uh, website, JoshuaPWarren.com. There is no period after the P there uh, at JoshuaPWarren.com, and you can understand what we're talking about and and how this is used. And uh and and you know I'm teaching some some classes in February, online classes. I've never done this before, and one of the things that I'm addressing is this idea of the demonic. Uh, as well as angels and other spiritual beings, because, um, you know, I when I first got involved in all this stuff, I had serious doubts about the existence of, of demons in particular. And you must realize now, having grown up in Asheville, North Carolina, that is literally where Billy Graham lives. Okay, that is Billy Graham land. And you know we have Billy Graham Parkway there and Billy Graham Highway, and I mean, and there are churches on every other corner, and uh, it, there's a lot of diversity actually when it comes to people's religions. But I, as as I was growing up, I mean, I visited a lot of different churches and and got their points of view. But I myself had uh, this sense that maybe this was all just uh, some kind of a fictional representation of some concept. But I've, I've now, after doing years of research, come to the, the opinion that uh, there there's no reason to presume that life must exist exclusively at this particular frequency that we call the physical realm. Um, the smartest cosmologists and mathematicians out there tell us there are at least 10, 11, 12 dimensions that we can prove mathematically. We can't even comprehend exactly what that means but if we are a part of this reality, then that means we must also exist to some extent in those dimensions as well. And so in those dimensions, there may be these other beings that are able to, to tap into you and, and to zap you. Now, if we're talking about something that's going to affect your energy, well, in my laboratory, for years, we have done research with bioenergy feedback. And you hook a person up to a bunch of different sensors and you give them mental stimulus or stimuli and you see how their biofield reacts. You hook somebody up and you you say, I love you. Thank you. You give them an ice cream cone. Their field gets nice and big and, and, and powerful. But then you show them pictures of war and violence and say, I hate you. Well, it shrinks and they become weak. Uh, I mean, you can see this. It's measurable. It's demonstrable. And uh, therefore, I think that um, if you feel like that you are in a weakened state and you have something that is tapping into your energy field, the first thing you have to do is strengthen that field. And as cheesy as it sounds, you've got to surround yourself with positivity. Uh, going back to wishing machines, people use those all the time for this purpose. But you can just you know, stay away from things that make you feel bad. I wrote a book called Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction, which came out last year. I started writing that book before I even knew there was going to be a new Star Wars movie. So it's not like I was just riding on their coattails, even though I've been a huge Star Wars fan my whole life. And one of the biggest things is don't don't involve yourself with things or substances that make you feel bad because that will weaken you and make you vulnerable to quote unquote demonic activity. It's Um, that simple. I mean, you know, it's like it's funny how we do this to ourselves. We abuse ourselves, we put ourselves in these positions that make us feel weak and depressed. People they come up with excuses to do it. Well, I have to go hang out with my relative because it's my relative even though I feel like, you know, I feel terrible. No, you don't. You don't have to do things. If you're working a job that makes you feel bad, well, I guarantee you, if you just quit that job, you may be scared to death, but if you start focusing on something better for yourself, you'll attract something good for yourself. And this is the same way you have to deal with the angelic and the demonic. These are symbols for how you manage your own bioenergy field.
1: So it's a p- positive thought that sort of pushes you forward.
2: Well, sure, you know, because if we're talking about creatures that are non physical, then how do you deal with them? You have to deal with them on the non physical plane. And the non physical plane is the mental plane. So you're not going to be able to go in there and zap them with a proton pack like we see in Ghostbusters. Um, again, it makes for a nice visual. But we have to start thinking on a more sophisticated level about these things. If they're affecting us on a mental and energy level, then we have to fight and deflect them on a mental and energy level. And so, uh, you know, it's a whole fire with fire kind of thing. And so ultimately, uh, we've got to change the way we view the entire model of our own personal relationships with this multi-layered universe that we're living in that's full of all kinds of potential life forms that are not always here in the physical realm.
0: I wanted to ask you about your work with Ghost Adventures. You um, worked with them on the Winchester House Experiment. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm proud to say that uh, when Ghost Adventures had their 100th episode, all the fans voted on their favorite episode that had an experiment in it, and uh, they, they chose that one um i've worked with Zach Bagans on a number of projects over the years, and he basically wanted to go to the Winchester Mansion, which is of course a big, confusing house that's supposed to um, to keep spirits away and uh because they 're confused, and do some kind of an experiment to open a portal. And so I brought a variety of equipment in there to see if we could open a portal. And this is actually a really interesting subject. The physical world is a matter of the frequency of one thing lining up with another thing. So in other words, if my body has a certain frequency and that wall I'm next to has a frequency that's within a similar range, then we're going to resist each other. And so we become physical to each other. However, if there is something that has a frequency that is significantly higher or lower than mine, the two do not interact, and they pass right through through each other. It's no different than radio waves passing right through a building or, or a person. And so when you have two things that seem to be physical, and you have other things around those two things which aren't within the range of the physical, You can slightly alter the relationship between those moving pieces by bursting uh, these very bizarre combinations of electrostatic fields into the environment. And, uh, you know, again, Tesla coils and Wimshurst generators working in combo are really a nice way of doing this. And what you do is you start jiggling the frequencies around. And you jiggle the frequency of what's physical, and you jiggle the frequency of what's not physical, and there's a certain point where sometimes you get a harmonic that's just right, and they overlap, and guess what? You get to experience each other, and this is how you can artificially open up a portal or a warp or something like that, and that's what we did at, or attempted to do at the Winchester House. That particular night ended up being pretty sad because that um, we not only started to capture a lot of weird you know evp and um and balls of light and that kind of thing but everybody just suddenly got into a really sour mood and uh the whole thing kind of unraveled and it, it was very uncomfortable and then we found out the next day that uh zach's grandmother died right as we were shooting that oh, um, and yeah isn't that wild i mean so is that connected? I I don't know. Um but you know, I've done a lot of different work with uh with tapping into these these types of portals and uh we'll talk I'm sure more about that in the future but I just want to uh, remind everybody uh for the first time and only time ever I am going to be teaching online classes starting in uh just like a week and a half. Um, And uh, we're going to dig into ghosts, spirits, angels, demons, UFOs, cryptids, psychic phenomena, magic, all that kind of stuff. Um, Again, that's one time only. Anybody who goes to my website can download a free copy of my Brown Mountain Lights book tonight. Um, And also, I've got some really interesting information about a project that I'm hoping to get you guys involved with. Uh, This year, and we are working to actually capture for the first time the absolute best, most scientifically valid images of ghosts and UFOs that have ever been captured. Whole new plan, whole new approach, whole new budget. It's all set in stone. It's going to happen. And anybody who wants to get the very first glimpses of all that should sign up for my free e-newsletter. So basically, go to JoshuaPWarren.com. Click around, look at the gallery of The Strange, and uh, have a good time. But that said, uh, Jason, JV, you guys are the best. Uh, I'll send you those wishing machines uh, soon. Uh, thank you so much for having me once again as a guest on your wonderful show, Beyond the Reality.
1: Josh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and we look forward to talking to you again. You, you know, we'll definitely talk off-air about that upcoming stuff you're working on. So, But uh, great talking to you. Have a great night.
3: All right, you too thanks.
0: And uh, you know, the chat room's still talking about it. a uh, lot of great stuff covered. We didn't get to the uh, Bermuda Triangle stuff. We touched on it in <sighs> hey, the hey, very hey, he's, beginning he's right down there too <laughs> I know we oh. touched on it in the very beginning of the conversation, but um, I, we just ran out of time. That's the problem when you've got someone like Joshua on as a guest. there's just so much to talk about. you're not going to get to it all.
1: Well, and Josh and Josh is just a phenomenal individual, and just a great all-around great guy. I have to be honest; I, I've known him for years, and I've always respected him for uh, what what he does. Um, when he was talking about the Winchester Mystery Mansion, I spent time there. I was there for four or five days, right? And I will tell you that, well, just walking in, it, the place is amazing. It really is. But they've got stairs that go nowhere, and and doors that that go nowhere, and and the house the house is a big maze but when you're there you really feel like you just stepped into the mind of a schizophrenic i i mean it's the only way to really explain the feelings you get when you're there and, and you're seeing all these this craziness that was built
0: it's so bizarre and it's there's so many stories associated with it if i remember correctly when you got when you did the uh, the episode there investigated there yeah, um I mean, other than like a lot of creepy feeling, there probably I don't remember there being a lot of uh, stuff that you were able to capture. No, yeah. it,
1: but it was also a little chaotic that yeah. night. Because I'll right. be honest, we had Tony Potts from uh, um, Entertainment Tonight show up. And, and we had all these, uh, these big news companies show up. Because right. it's tough to try to keep it isolated when you're there. And just the fact we were third season, and the show was just taking off like a rocket. Um, so when, just the fact that we were there, I mean... All the news agencies tried to show up. So it became really chaotic and and tough to try to keep the contamination out. And I think that might have been a big reason why we didn't really catch much there. But the, the place was amazing. It really was.
0: Yeah, well, it's a great place to look at for sure. And it certainly is a mystery house. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah. And dude, can you believe we're going to
1: get wishing machines?
0: I think I cannot wait to have my wishing machine right here on this desk. And I'm going to wish things that I'm going to see if they happen to you as I wish them.
1: That. That's not probably not good.
0: <laughs> it's going to be I, I, I have
1: no faith or trust in you on the on, on You shouldn't. No, that it's going to be all that. very pregnant. I'm going to instantly realize I'm not wearing a shirt.
0: <laughs> well, that's. I'm not going to wish for that. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not going to wish for anything that requires your clothing to come off. I promise.
1: But again, a big shout out goes out to Josh P. Warren for coming on and hanging out with us tonight and talking about uh, paranormal in general and some of the things he's working on and these things he's got coming up. We definitely got to talk to him off air, Jim, about this, yeah. this yeah. stuff absolutely but uh and uh, thanks to everybody out there for tuning in and if you haven't yet head over to
0: facebook.com slash beyond reality radio and like the facebook page thanks for listening it's beyond reality paranormal we'll see you next time